0: how's everyone doing good Um, Jackie I want to thank you for that communion message I have decided to follow Jesus because this morning I'm going to talk to us about our souls and uh, our souls are our decision-making center it's our mind our will our emotions we make our decisions in our souls our souls are incredibly important to the way our life will go whether we have a healthy soul before the Lord or a not so healthy soul will completely impact how we go in our walk with God. So I want to talk about our soul this morning. I'm on the wrong page. It's already a bad start. 3 John chapter 2 says this. Beloved, I pray that you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Just as your soul prospers. Now that word prosper is a Greek word. It's this word that's coming up on the screen. I often attempt a pronunciation but not today. It is that Greek word and it means to go well on your journey. It comes from an original Greek word hodos which means the way or a path. So to prosper in this context here and in the greek here to prosper is to go well on your journey to have a healthy journey a journey that is doing you well a journey that is taking you where you're meant to go that is a prospering journey so this morning i am going to preach a prosperity message to you but it's not a prosperity message like you might have heard many times before uh, when people speak of prosperity this is about living a victorious life as we walk in jesus this is what John is saying here I pray that you would walk well in all things and be in health just as your soul walks well your walk in Jesus this morning I'd like to talk to our souls because of the part our souls play in our lives a huge huge part and I think we don't think about it often enough Um, so much depends on what is going on with our souls as i said our soul is your mind your will and your emotions in other words what we think what we want and how we feel now think about how much impact on your life comes from what you think what you want and how you feel and that's what our soul is we are tripartite beings tri means three we are body soul and spirit And our soul is our mind, our will and emotions. When we receive Jesus as our saviour, our spirit comes alive to God. Our spirit had been dead, it comes alive to God. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, God said to them, you can eat of any tree you want. Any tree you want, just don't touch that one. Don't touch that one tree, but you can eat of any tree that you want. The devil came along and said, did God really say that? Because God had said, if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. So the devil said, did God really say that? You're not gonna die. You can eat that, you're not gonna die. And they believed him and they ate the fruit and at that moment sin entered the world. Now did Adam and Eve die in that moment? Physically they did not die, but spiritually they died that's when sin came into the world and spiritual death came upon humankind so adam and eve didn't die in that moment they lost the garden but they didn't die in that moment but they died spiritually they lost their communion with god they had a connection with god if you remember when we read in genesis that they would walk with God in the afternoon. God would come into the garden and they would walk together in the afternoon. They had this amazing communion with God, this amazing intimate relationship with God and they lost that communion with God. Now, obviously, eventually they did die because once sin entered the world, death became the destination for every human being because that was never meant to happen either. Remember how they used to commune with God every day and they lost all that. If you remember, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. In John chapter 3, you must be born again. You must be born of water and you must be born of the spirit. Nicodemus had just said, how can a man go back into his mother's womb? Ew. And then he said, how can I do that? And Jesus said, you must be born naturally of water and you must also be born spiritually. So of spirit. So... We are we have all been born naturally of water. Every single person in this room has a mother. You were born from your mother's womb. You have been born naturally of water. But now also every single person needs to be born again of spirit. Jesus said, don't be so surprised that I'm saying you have to be born again. Because because of sin entering in the world way back with Adam and Eve, we are all born dead in the spirit. You know how we some you hear that phrase, we're all born sinners. That's what it means. Our spirit that can connect with God and live the life God calls us to live is dead until we receive Jesus. And then our spirit comes to life. Ephesians 2.5 says this. Even when we were dead in the trespasses, which is sins, God made us alive together with Christ for by grace you have been saved. So we were dead in our trespasses and sins, meaning our spirit was dead Do you ever, when we sing these songs sometimes, you know, I was a dead man but now I'm alive. In case you don't know what that means, it means my spirit was dead. I couldn't connect with God. I was totally and completely separated from God but now I'm alive. My spirit is alive. I am in communion with God. I am connected with God now. So we have this spirit that is alive and we have this body that houses everything and we also have a soul And that's what we're going to look at this morning we also have a soul and our soul is a little bit like mission control because it decides everything it decides everything we do with your soul this morning you decided whether you'd come to church or not and there may be some people who woke up this morning and said i don't feel like going to church feelings are in our soul and they didn't come because they didn't feel like coming to church it's a soul decision no condemnation, we're going to that verse. I'm just saying, this is how our soul works. It makes all these decisions. So when we get saved, when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour, that's why I like not just saying Jesus our Saviour, Jesus our Lord and Saviour. Because Jesus is your Saviour when you receive him. You are instantly coming alive in your spirit. You are saved. But some people never get past the part where he also becomes Lord. Lord. And this is about our soul because this is about the decisions we make about what we're doing with our lives whether we will follow his path or not instantly alive in our spirit the soul still needs to come to the party so what does it mean for our soul to prosper when our soul goes well we go well so what's that about in romans paul speaks about this stuff in romans chapter 7 there's this part in Romans 7, at the second part of it, the en- ending part of it. <coughs> Paul says, this is the kind of person I am. What I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do. What am I supposed to do? I can't help myself, blah, blah, blah. You know that part where Paul says all that stuff. Now, the last two verses say this, 24 and 25. He says this, what a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Now, if you ever read that and just that, and this is why context is so important for us all, it sounds like Paul is saying, there's no rescue. Just give up. You're a wretch. You can't change. Nothing can change. There's nothing that'll empower you to change. You're just that. But then in verse 25, he says this, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but my sinful nature is a slave to the law of sin. Is Paul saying, This is a losing battle, you just are who you are? Now, let's remember, he's talking to Christians here. He's not talking to the unsaved, saying, You can change. We, he's talking to the church in Rome, he's talking to Christians. And he's saying, Well, I'm asking the question Is he saying, Trying to live God's way is an unwinnable battle? It's just too difficult. No, not at all. That is not at all what he's saying. Is he saying that we will have some argy-bargy between soul and spirit every day? Yes. There will be a spirit-soul, a certain amount of battle that goes on every day because we either choose to serve the spirit, which means we are serving the living spirit that is connecting with God and walking God's way, or we just want to serve our own soul, remember what i want what i think and how i feel so we there is this thing that goes on between us every single day we have choices we have to make so this is not the battle about salvation this is not about the devil trying to convince people that god's not real and and there was just this big bang and. You can't be worth anything because there was just this weird bang that happened once and you just happened to blob onto the earth and so there can't be anyone that loves you and has purposed your life and all that. We're not talking about those lies of the devil. We're not talking about that battle for the hearts of men and women. This is the Christian's battle because we can be born again but through our soul live like we don't even know what redeem means. We can still have our soul behaving in such a way that even though we're born again, our soul isn't living as a born again person. It is with our soul that we decide everything we would do each day. We can go think to ourselves, I am going to worship God because he is worthy of my praises. Or we can say, I just don't feel like that right now. It's a soul decision. As I said earlier, we can get up in the morning and go, I'm gonna go to church and I'm gonna bless somebody today. I'm gonna encourage somebody today. I'm gonna worship God today. I'm gonna be built up in the word today. Or we can say, gee, my bed is comfortable. And I just don't feel like going out today. I just don't want to go out today. Now, I'm I'm not trying to be condemning. I promise you I'm not. I'm just saying in our souls, these are the decisions we make daily. Paul said, I beat my body every day. Was he talking about self-flagellation? No. What he's saying is, my body says, I just want to do this. And every day I said, no, you're going to submit to God. You're going to submit to God's way. There were times when he would go into a town and he knew that he knew that he knew he was going to face opposition. He knew that he knew he was going to face persecution. But he said, God wants me in that town. I'm going to that town. I'm going to go and do it. These are our sole choices. In Luke 1 Mary says my soul magnifies the Lord what is she saying she's saying in my mind and my will and my emotions I choose to lift up the Lord I choose to lift up the Lord we can say I know what God wants in this situation maybe we're at work and some and everyone starts telling the latest dirty joke they've got and we can go I've got a really good one actually and I love the feeling I get when everyone laughs at something I say or we can say, you know what? That doesn't please God. Our soul makes these decisions. And as we go on, we can see what Paul is getting at also. Now we have to remember, we're gonna go into chapter eight now because We have just looked at the last two verses in chapter seven. We're about to enter chapter eight of Romans. When, I was, when we were doing youth at our previous church, one day the senior pastor preached about how there was no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And I, I think I must have responded for prayer because he and I ended up having quite a conversation after that about that scripture. And he would say, so every single time he saw me, he'd look at me and go, Romans 8.1? I'd say, Romans 8.1. And whenever he saw me, Romans 8.1? 8, Romans 8.1. And then one day, maybe thinking that I had forgotten it and I was just playing a game, he said, Romans 8.1, what does it say? There is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. That's what Romans chapter verse 1 says so Paul has just come away from saying firstly I'm a wretch I just I cannot do life very well I do things that I shouldn't do I don't do the things that I should do I'm a complete mess but then he says but thanks be to God who gives us the victory how through our Lord Jesus Christ so there's two things I believe Paul is bringing out here number one without jesus we cannot live a life that pleases god we know that i sin you sin paul sinned we all sin and until we go to heaven sin's going to happen in our lives but here's the thing that sin is covered by the blood of jesus when we believe in him and we belong to him amen so paul is saying thanks be to God Jesus has given me victory over sin do I still sin yes does that mean I don't have victory no I have victory because I belong to Jesus who won the victory over sin so through Jesus Christ through the blood of Jesus Christ I've been given victory over sin I may walk away from here and sin in half an hour but do I have the victory over sin yes because I belong to Jesus But Paul then starts to talk about how we are not under condemnation. And he says these things. Let me find the spot. He says, therefore, what for? What for? The victory we have in Jesus. That's what the therefore is. We have to remember when we read the Bible, they didn't have chapter breaks. What we read as a book was Paul's letter to a church so if you look at the book of romans that's a long letter to the church of romans giving them instruction helping them understand things Because Paul was their apostle. He was the church planter. So he goes there, he sends them letters and he says in his letters, look, this is the way to go. These are people who have no clue. These are early Christians. They don't have what we have. They don't have the Bible that we have. These are people with no idea how to live a Christian life. Paul's instructing them. So of course he's going to write a long letter because there's a lot to teach these people. So, but when we read, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get to the end of a chapter and my head goes... I'm ready for the next thought, I'm ready for a new thought because it's a new chapter and I have to remind myself there's no chapter breaks in the letter so the last line, the last statement of, um, of one chapter is just the next line in the letter once you go to the next chapter so it doesn't, so they, they sit together, you know what I'm saying, you're smart, you know what I'm saying. So if we read this, he's saying thanks be to God that gives us this victory. Therefore, there's now no condemnation. The enemy cannot condemn you if you belong to Jesus because Jesus condemned sin. Jesus condemned sin, he condemned death. So if you belong to Jesus, the enemy cannot condemn you. You have that victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says here, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus What has it done? It has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the law of Jesus Christ, his victory over sin, his law is grace. It has made me free from the law of sin and death. See, we can read what Paul says in in most of chapter seven or a big chunk of chapter seven where he goes, oh, I do this, I don't do that, I do this, I don't. And we can go, if Paul couldn't cut it, what chance do I have? If Paul couldn't live a Christian life, although if you've read the Bible, you know he did, but if you go, if Paul couldn't do it, what chance do I have? If Paul sinned, what chance do I have of being a person who isn't doing a lot of sin all the time? But I don't believe that that is what he's saying at all. He is saying we are all imperfect, we will all sin, but we are covered by the blood of Jesus. And he's also saying, and this is the second bit that I believe he's saying, Is that we can look at sin and think it's just so overwhelming but we have the power of the Holy Spirit now and the reason I say is this in chapter 7 where Paul talks about how how hard it is this battle blah 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 and all that the Holy Spirit is not mentioned once there is no mention of the Holy Spirit when Paul talks about the battle over our souls Then you go to chapter eight, he begins to talk about living life by the Spirit and and the victory that we have and the no condemnation that we have and how we can walk by the Spirit and it won't have that leaning towards sin, we'll have that leaning towards living God's way. And when you go into that, that chapter is Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. So I believe Paul is bringing out a couple of things. Because I've heard people say, well, in Romans 7, I mean, Paul Paul makes it clear. We're all just going to mess up all the time. Yes, we do, but I don't think that's what Paul's doing. I don't think Paul's going, yes, sorry, we're Christians and it's a really tough gig. I think what he's saying is, without Christ, this is who I was. But now I'm covered by the blood of Christ, therefore there's no condemnation on me. And by the way, as I choose to walk with God, the Holy Spirit's empowering me. The Holy Spirit's empowering me all the time. I'm being empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk the way that God has called me to walk. The Holy Spirit is the difference between defeat and victory. Romans 8, 3, the next verse. Paul says this, For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin he condemned sin in the flesh. Now that word flesh there is the word sarki. Sarki. Now it's not an adjective for someone who likes to be sarcastic. It's S-A-R-K-I, and it is a Greek word for human nature. Sometimes the Bible speaks of flesh and it's talking about your body. Sometimes the Bible speaks of flesh and it's talking about our human nature. And so when we read this, who walks by the spirit? Do you walk by the spirit or do you walk by the flesh? Paul is not saying anything about our bodies. He's talking about our souls, our nature, our human nature, the realm of the soul. And he says here, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So Jesus wasn't born a sinner, but he was born with a soul that could choose to sin if he wanted to. He was born with a soul like us. He had a will, he had a mind, and he had emotions. And we saw all those things factoring in Jesus' life if you read through his life. See, the enemy cannot touch your spirit. You are born again. You belong to God. Your spirit is alive to God, but the enemy can hugely impact our soul. The enemy can hugely impact our soul. So we need to, that's where we need to know what we have to do. And the area of attack is our mind our will and our emotions so what do we do about this what should we do we understand that we have a spirit that is alive to God we have a body that we just function in on earth but we have this soul and the soul decides which way we go what do we do how do we make our soul stronger how do we bring our souls into line with spirit rather than flesh because that's what it's really about is my soul aligning with an alive spirit in communion with God and understanding who God is and understanding who God, or what God wants or is my soul aligning with my flesh, my old human nature, what I want, what I think and how I feel. Am I ruled by my feelings? Am I ruled by thoughts that aren't godly? Am I ruled by desires and wants that are not godly? Am I ruled by them? Because then we're being ruled, our soul is coming in with the flesh. So what can we do? If you remember when Jesus was baptised, he was filled with the Spirit and then the Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted. That's one of the most surprising things that I read in the Bible. When I first saw that many years ago, Satan didn't lead him somewhere to be tempted. The Holy Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted. Jesus was led into temptation by the Holy Spirit. Jesus had just been baptised He'd just been filled with the spirit because the dove came and said, this is, um, the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Not the dove. The spirit descended like a dove and he'd been filled with the spirit. And then he was sent to be tempted. What was being tempted? His soul. His soul was being tempted. His spirit was alive to God because he'd been filled with the spirit. His, fill, his spirit was alive to God. After 40 days of fasting, his body would have been very weak. His body would have been in a state of weakness and Satan waited until he was at his most vulnerable. So what did Jesus do when the temptation came? How did Jesus, living as one of us, how did he defeat the temptations? By the word of God. Number one, we have to live in God's word if we want to build our soul to live according to the spirit and not the flesh. We need to live in God's word. Read it know it live it speak it read it know it live it speak it when satan came to jesus and said if you'll bow down to me i'm going to do this for you if you'll bow down to me i'm going to do this for you what did jesus say every time it is written jesus didn't answer him with his his own clever arguments Jesus would have been a smart guy, I'm sure he could have come up with all sorts of clever things and none of the latest phrases or slogans, no clever arguments. Jesus Jesus just said, it is written. Three times, three temptations, three times, Jesus' answer was always the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. When the temptation came upon him, all he used was the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says this, "'For the Word of God is living and powerful, "'sharper than any two-edged sword, "'piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, "'joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts "'and the intents of the heart.'" Here's the thing about the Word of God and why Jim and I encourage everyone to read every day. Read God's Word every day. I'm not saying you've got to read 50 million chapters, read something of god's word every day and i'll tell you why and also don't just read your favorite bits don't just read the bits you know we can have certain favorite chapters and we're like i'm going to read that one because it always makes me feel good i'm going to rip out the book of james because it tells me about trials hang on your name's james (laughs) i'm starting to put things together I said that at the women's conference last week, I said, my husband's name is James and you know, the book of James. They loved it. Anyway, (laughs) read God's word every day. And I'll tell you why, and this is just very practical. Any part of God's word will build your soul towards God's spirit, any part of it. That's why I said, don't just read your favorite books. Read Leviticus, read Numbers. Because we're given the Bible as a whole for a reason. And you know, you might go, well, when I read those chapters, they do nothing for me. No, no, when you read those chapters, God's word's going into your soul. God's word's going in and building your soul. If you're not a person who reads the Bible every day, if you start doing it, you will be amazed. And when you go to read, say, God, speak to me. Speak to me through your word. Read the word every day because it discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart and it will change you because it's God's word going in. It doesn't have to be certain passages. It doesn't have to be certain verses. It doesn't have to feel good, whatever. Read the word every day because the word of God is living and active. Active. The word of God is not just a book. It is a living, active, I can't think of the noun to put in there, power. Thank you. Secondly, surrender your soul to God. So often we say, oh God, you know, I love you and I love you. You know, we can say whatever, Lord, I surrender. What are we surrendering? We're surrendering our soul because our spirit is already born again. So God already owns our spirit. I can surrender my body but it's only here for a certain amount of time and then it'll be glorified thank you jesus so what are we surrendering we're surrendering our soul but what does it mean then to surrender your soul to god it's about who we give the power over our lives to who's got the power over my life when i wake up in the morning and i begin to make the decisions of the day I don't know how many decisions we make in every day, there must be so many. Whose power is happening over the decisions I make? You see, if I only do what I think, if I only do what I want, if I only do what I feel, I'm going to be very, very weak in my Christian walk because a strong Christian walk is a soul that is aligned with God and his spirit. Where my spirit's aligned with his spirit and my soul is moving in line with that. And in fact, I would call that maturing in Christ. James also says, um, where it talks about trials, it then says, you have these trials so that you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So I believe when we're surrendering our souls to God, And we're we're making decisions daily to go God's way. I'm going to get up in the morning and I don't feel like it, but I am going to read my Bible. I'm not saying you have to read in the morning. Some people say you should read in the morning. I don't care because we all have our own times and our own rhythms. But there might be times when you go, I don't want to read the Bible. I know the preacher said it'll build me up. I just don't want to do it. Just grab it and read. Because what you've done, you've made a decision in your soul towards God's spirit. And the more that you do that, the stronger it gets. The more you do that, the stronger it gets. It's, maybe it's like a muscle, I don't know. But the more you make those decisions towards God, the stronger you get in your spirit and in your walk with God and it becomes a natural thing to do. And thirdly, and I'm going to close with this. Firstly, live in God's word. Read it, know it, live it, speak it. Secondly, surrender your soul to God. And thirdly ask the Holy Spirit to empower you when you are tempted ask the Holy Spirit to empower you when you are tempted I think so often when we get tempted to actually sin when we get tempted to go the way of our soul instead of aligning our soul with God's word we don't even think about asking the Holy Spirit to help us we don't even think about oh could the Holy Spirit help me right now could the Holy Spirit do something If you're in a place and you're being tempted in a certain way, ask the Holy Spirit to empower you. Jesus said that he would send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would guide us, the Holy Spirit would lead us to truth, the Holy Spirit would convict and mainly, not mainly, but a big one, the Holy Spirit would give us power. Now in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will have the power to be my witnesses in the whole earth that means that word witness means martyrs like a martyr so i think that has a has a sort of a couple of senses to it number one we are empowered if we ever have to martyr because there have been many christian martyrs over history but i think it also has this other meaning that we will be empowered to give our lives to god to live life for God it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live our life for God so if you're in a situation where you're being tempted to sin or even just that sense of I just I just want to do this my way instead of God's way or I you know they've just told me about this deal I could have and oh it's a bit dishonest but well it could really benefit me any kind of thing like that Holy Spirit help me Holy Spirit come and help me right now because I am being tempted against what God would want. Come, Holy Spirit, and help me, and he will. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, he was filled with the Spirit. And the Bible tells us that when Satan couldn't get him to give into temptation, Satan went away waiting for an opportune moment. So Satan wasn't giving up. He was going to try and tear Jesus down. Any way he could, he was going after him. He was going to try and tear him down. But the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus. And even though Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and he would have been very weak, he was able to stand strong to the temptation because he was filled with the Spirit. Hey, Daniel, we love you. On this earth, we will sin. On this earth, this side of heaven, we will sin. But if we do these three things, if we live in God's word, if we surrender our souls to Him, and, and it might have to be a daily practice. So I'm, I'm very practical. I don't like ethereal stuff because I, I can't put my head around it and I, d- I don't know what's cool and what isn't. I'm very practical. I will say to myself, right, when I get up in the morning, this is what I'm going to say to God. And I'll get up in the morning and I'll say that thing to God. I will make certain decisions and I'm very practical about doing it because I think the Christian life is very practical. It's not, you know, woohoo. It's very, very practical. There's no woo-woo stuff in Christianity. So it might have to be a daily practice for for some people. If you're struggling in some area, every morning you can get up and God, I give my soul to you. I give you my will. I give you my mind, my emotions. I surrender them to you today. And then Holy Spirit, empower me. Holy Spirit, empower me to live that life. I heard um, Pastor Robert Morris say this and I loved it on this earth we won't be sinless but we can sin less love it go Pastor Robert as we submit ourselves to God we will grow more and more like Jesus because you know what Jesus did he submitted his will he submitted his mind and he submitted his emotions he was in the garden of Gethsemane he was so stressed about the cross he was sweating drops of blood So he has those emotions that we have. He has those stresses, he had that stress that we have. And yet he said, Father, not my will, his soul, he was submitting his soul, not my will, your will be done. Amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.